episode 79. Houston, we have a problem. Join us at the table where we talk board games to miniatures and everything in between. The games we play with Brian and Chris. And welcome back to The Games We Play, a podcast about board games, tabletops, RPGs, miniatures, but always about the games we play. I'm your host, Brian, and co-founder of The Games We Play, and with me, my co-host is my wife. Hey, I'm Emily. And welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 79 of The Games We Play. We appreciate you listening and tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, we do appreciate you listening, giving us a try. Right now, during pandemic, we are kind of doing things a little different. Our our format of the episodes are a little different. We typically do segment-driven with some different topics and, and other things. But, uh, well, right now we're not doing that. We're just trying to get by. (laughs) (laughs) We're in survival mode, I guess. Yes. So this episode will probably be a quick one, as you can probably hear from my voice. Hopefully it's not too distracting, but um, I'm actually kind of under the weather right now. But that didn't stop us from playing any games and talking about some games here. So Emily... Uh, we played a few games this week. We're just going to actually just jump right into this. Um, you want to talk about the first game we actually we tried? Yeah, we actually uh, ended up trying one with our son called Cinco Linko, which is it's been on our shelf for years, probably. Yeah, no, I think it's been like two years, maybe. And our son has always wanted to play it. And so we finally played it. And it was actually really fun. It has a very Connect Four feel to it, except that it is a four player game. And instead of having the big plastic slots to put your pieces down in, it's played flat on the table with square tiles that have a, they feel really good. They're a, a substantial tile. Plastic. They're plastic. Colored. All different different colors, right? Yeah. So, since it's played out onto the table, it's different every single time. People are putting their pieces in a different spot every time. And the goal is to, of course, get five in a row. Yep. Five in a row. Cinco. Yes. Because, you know, Spanish. So, once everyone has played their tiles out and if someone has not won yet, then you can go back and start moving one tile at a time to try to get that five in a row after your tiles have all been placed, which kind of gives it an extra bonus quality to it. I really liked that aspect of the game where you can, even after all the tiles are played, the game keeps going until until someone wins. Yep. Yeah. What I also like about this game is it's, it's a very small footprint. It comes in this really it, this really cool carrier thing that has a carabiner on it. So it's supposed to like hook to your backpack, I think. And each of the colors, the four colors, they come with their own little spindle thing. So each one of the plastic pieces has a hole in the middle. And so you put it down on the spindle and then the spindle like clips into the main thing and it and they all clip in really nicely and it's really small like it's hard to explain but it's really well done with the packaging and storage and the idea is you you just can take it on the go is the point of this game and what it plays in probably five to ten minutes unless you start getting <laughs> like every time we played it it kept getting longer yeah. and longer because we kept starting to figure out the strategies because the strategies you can try to get diagonals or you know horizontal or vertical five in a row but when you place your tile, you have to place it orthogonally next to another tile, yours or somebody else's. And so 
you basically can't just put try to put five in a row to get five in a row. You have to set up situations where it's impossible to block. I think that's the same with Connect Four. That's mm-hmm. how you play it. The problem with Connect Four is you're you're restricted by how many spots there are wide right. and top, right? And yep. this, you're not restricted at all. You can just keep going one direction or another. And when you play with more than two players, it 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 sets up some really interesting situations because if I set myself up to get five in a row, either you or in this case when we're playing with our son has to block us or both of you have to right. block it. So in some cases, even where if you were playing just one-on-one, and it would be impossible for you to block like a double move if I had. Mm-hmm. With two players I'm playing against, they both can block me. So it it set up. I had to think through so many steps ahead to try to even win. And I think we played what five or six. I don't know. Yeah. We played a lot of times, and I think all of us each won at least one time, and mm-hmm. it was fun. Yeah. I, for like it's just it it's this is not like a deeply strategic game by, by all means. It's not. You, you know, it's not a game that we're going to have a game night just around this. Right. But it's a great filler game. It'd be a fun game to to bring out um, at like lunchtime, like we play games at, at work, you know, when we're actually at work. <laughs> someday. Or, uh, someday. Maybe. I think February, maybe, is what I heard. Anyway, it's either here or there. But um, that's the type of game this is. It's a good filler yeah. game. It's a good. We brought it out while supper was cooking. Right. I think we I were playing at say, the table. Yeah, it'd be a good like family vacation game or family reunion game where you just pull it out while heck, you're waiting to eat heck, or whatever. It's so small footprint. You could play this on the plane, like on a on a tray table. You could play this in the car if you had one of those like tables, like the kids could play in the back. You could bring this out at a restaurant and play at the table. That's and it's really, really small. Mm-hmm. Very small footprint. Can't quite fit it in your pocket per se, but it would fit in a in a pack. Anyway, um Simple's cheap, really cheap game, and it's a lot of fun. It kind of itches that Connect Four, like you're saying, but adds a lot more strategy to because not only is it five in a row, but you're not restricted by you know the dimensions of whatever that you want to call that plastic. Right, and you're also four. not restri- restricted like in Connect Four. They always have to stack on top of each other. In, in this in one, two players, you can place restric- it on yep. the top or the bottom yep. sides. Yeah, which is nice. It's a neat little game. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. It's a good stocking stuffer. This would be one I'd put like on the one of the high up on a stocking stuffer list for for Christmas. So yeah, um, definitely really like it. It's called Cinco Linko, as in Cinco, as in Spanish, C I N C O, and then Linko, L I N K O. So highly suggest it. Lightweight game, really easy, cheap, and uh, there's a lot of fun, especially for like the price point. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going for like. Eleven dollars, twelve dollars. So oh. really cheap. Like it, yeah. It's it's a it's a pretty solid family strategy little game. A lot of fun. Um, definitely a game I might bring to work once we actually get back to work. I yeah, really like this. Yeah. Cool. Good deal. Well, that we're one for one for good games. So <laughs> let's talk about another game we played. So we actually did get out Apollo. This is kind of weird, personally. The name of the game is actually Apollo, a game inspired by NASA. Shoot, what's I see? It doesn't even fit fully on my screen here. Let me check it. A few moments later. Yeah, so the full title on this is Apollo, a game inspired by NASA moon missions. <laughs> um, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how I got to pick this up at Target when mm-hmm. they were having the sale. Yeah. 
and we finally did get it out. Uh, this is a fully cooperative game, and it is, I think it actually did have coordination by NASA. I actually think it did, because they use their... Yeah, they use br- like, like their, there's NASA... NASA. NASA. <laughs> they have the NASA logo. The NASA branding is on it. NASA. <laughs> I mean, the front cover it, it is really cool. It, let me step back and talk about this real quick before we talk about like art and stuff. So this game is a fully cooperative game. And like the title clearly lays out, it's a game inspired by NASA moon missions. Uh, because you actually take on the role of... Um, there's two missions. There's like the Apollo mission and the, whatchamacallit mission? Gemini. Gemini mission. So there's two missions. I think the, the Apollo mission you play is the one that actually lands on the moon, I believe. But um, one's easier than the, than the other. But the idea of this is one person plays as mission command while all the other players play as the astronauts. And so how the game kind of plays out are the astronauts are taking turns with actions and it's kind of dice driven. So you roll a dice and then you um, allocate the dice to certain actions and then those actions get resolved and then it just goes on and on like that. And then there's a lot of triggers to fail in this game. I mean, a lot of triggers to fail in this game (laughs) and there's only one way to win it. And so depending on which mission you, you take one's shorter, one's longer and one's harder, you have these missions that come along with these. So there's these mission cards and stages. And so there is a game board that tracks the stages. And so it's a little spaceship that moves around the board and it kind of has, it has the artwork of the planet and it's orbital and you're you're going around it and it's following along and the cards go along with it and say what stages and then tell you what you have to do. And so a lot of the stuff you have to do is basically you're putting dice on these cards and they're going to tell you what they are. So they have to be this is greater than this, this greater than this and, and what color of dice because there's yellow and black. And so it's just kind of common with these other dice games. It actually reminds me of Fuse. I think it's like the exact same dice as Fuse, except for it's black and yellow dice. Um, and it's the same kind of conditions on the cards as Fuse, where you're trying to, you know, get uh, certain numbers that equal each other or greater than and so on and so forth. And so you're trying to complete these mission cards uh, before the stage that they're before the next stage. And you have to try to get all the way to the end. And then there's a winning condition at the very end that says, you know, the win the game before the end of the stage or the last stage, you have to have these parameters. And they're going to be things that correspond with the mission command that's tracking what, like, environment, oxygen. I don't even remember what all the dials are off the top of my head. There's there's quite a few, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tracking, like, life support, flight control, power distribution, experiments, communication, so on and so forth. Yeah. And so the mission command is actually controlling those dials and keeping track. And that's basically the game. So it's fully cooperative. Uh, What's kind of unique here is that Mission Command has this big screen that comes with the game, like this cardboard screen that blocks uh, the astronauts from seeing all the dials and the missions and stuff that that Mission Command has. So there's some secret information that Mission Command is, uh, is tracking, and they can use some mechanics to communicate and so on and so forth. And that's basically the game. Um, it doesn't sound terribly complicated after just talking about <laughs> it um, or unique, but I think what really makes this game unique is the is the components of this game. Components and the theme. And the artwork. 
So and, let's talk about the and the different player roles. I I agree. Yeah. So let's talk about the artwork real quick because I think that's what really sets this game apart. Just mm-hmm. starting with the even the box art. I mean, the box art is that classic astronaut picture on the moon where the visor is down and it's reflecting back and in the reflection you can see another astronaut and see earth and then behind their shoulder is the lander on the moon that that's a very iconic uh picture that we've probably seen you've i mean i'm sure everybody's probably seen it some form and it's kind of a it's not cartoon but it's more of an illustrated version of that picture and it's that that artwork on the front is very representative of the rest of the game because all the components, the the astronaut board where you're you're keeping track of and placing dice to the actions, uh the the screen for mission control, the mission control is board with the dials. They all like look dials. like it came from the 60s and 70s with uh the it, it's great. It looks just like what you would think the space shuttle and instrument controls would look like. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. I really like that. Even the cards, even the cards with the the text font and the colors, it just screams that era, the fifties, mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty 60s. amazing. Apollo Eleven was nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, it was nineteen sixty nine. So it is the sixties and seventies. I was right. I was yeah. right the first time, but not in fifties. But yeah, it's it's very reminiscent of the area, and even the artwork. It's all illustrated. It's beautiful. Like on the back of the mission cards, when you do it, it show there's like pictures of the shuttle taking off or re-entering Earth, and it's just it's very beautiful, very stylized. The theme is so cool, and it works so well with this. It it, it kind of you know I'm not a huge into theme. Like I enjoy theme when we get it, <laughs> but it really does immerse you a little. It bit. It really it, does. I was just gonna say it's an immersive gameplay. It is. It really does feel like you're mission control and you're trying to get these astronauts where they need to be without blowing up the ship, like <laughs> killing them. Yep. <laughs> and the astronauts are just trying to stay alive. <laughs> it's true. That this and it's very true. And even the book kind of encourages you when you're communicating, there's like communication tokens, as long as your communications aren't down. And you're supposed to be like uh, Apollo, be advised. You know you're supposed to say or be like mission control. Danger, you can ask danger. questions. You you're encouraged to kind of do that. And if you really got into it and kind of did that, um, it even just adds more to. It. I mean, it's not necessary, but it's kind of fun. To be like uh, Apollo, be advised that communications is d- too critical. I I mean, I, you could just say, hey, uh, communications in critical range. That would be really boring. But that is boring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the theme, the artwork, and the production value is really cool. What I also... I mean, just even with the components is really nice. There's a lot of dice, chunky. All the artwork is just beautiful. Um, Even the back of the board has the Neil Armstrong's footprint with some text quoting him on the back of the board. So the first thing you do when you open the box is you see that in the quote. And then the cards were in NASA bags. Yeah, there's those metal looking... The ones, like, the, their food comes Yeah, in. they look like the MREs or whatever you want to call them. That's what the missions are in those bags. And again, there's like a sticker on the bag itself with the artwork saying it's the Apollo mission or Gemini mission. Again, just all the components work really well together. But even the artwork on the back of the mission cards or on the back of the board that you open up and you see 
Neil Armstrong's footprint. Like, you don't need that. It's a back of a board. Like, you're never going to see a back of a board. But that that's just the extra quality and the extra steps they went just to kind of immerse you into it. You open this box and it just feels kind of special. I know that sounds kind of weird. It just feels a little special when you're opening it. Maybe that's just a little nostalgic. When you open it, you hear in your head the music from Apollo 13 playing. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, hey, it's a great excuse to listen to the Apollo 13 soundtrack, which is amazing, by the way, because of John Williams. But yes, um, we did have to play with it, and it works so well. It, yeah, it, it, I don't think you can play without the music. Um, it really adds another la- layer of gameplay experience. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, just the components and all that's really cool. The gameplay is pretty simple. I think it's difficult. We played it several is. times in lost. It's tough. It's, it's kind of stressful, but I kind mean, an enjoyable stressful, <laughs> I guess. I mean, that's But good. yes, it is. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I think there's definitely a learning curve because after we lost like the second time where we started talking, I think... That there's there's definitely an ideal strategy of trying to be as efficient as possible with those dice because yes. every time you use a dice, your ship moves along the stage tracker, and so you have to try to get as much done with each dice pace placement. However, when you're rolling dice, you know you're losing, you're having failures on your systems by you know allocating your dice, and there's not enough dice to prevent failure every turn. So no matter what, you have failure on some system or another. Which adds to the stressfulness of the game. And then you have to remember what is failing you, as the yep. astronaut. Because you can communicate, but then you have to remember it. And yeah, it's it's so stressful. And while you're doing all this, you have to try to complete these experiments. Yes. <laughs> so you have to remember <laughs> how yep. many dice you need, what number, what color. <laughs> It's at the same time trying to yeah. complete things so you can give communication tokens to to Houston so then you can communicate some of the stuff. It's like there's yeah, it, it feels chaotic, but it feels good and it all kind of works together very thematic. Overall, I really enjoyed it. I mean I'm not saying this is gonna be my favorite game, um, but this is definitely uh it's definitely a unique game that I would pull out with friends at least once. With with my friends, just to play through it and and, and allow them to experience it because it mm-hmm. is unique enough like that. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to play. I've heard that um, it's best with three players. So there's one person doing mission control and two people doing the astronauts, which I definitely think I c- I could see how that would be helpful. Just have someone talk through like, okay, where sh- what should we do? Also to have someone help you remember what you're supposed to be doing, like yep. what's down. What's your experiment? Yep. I think that would be helpful. Yeah. To have two people as the astronauts. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it'd be, yeah, I, I definitely think it would add a lot of fun just having more people just to experience it too. Mm-hmm. Cool. One of the other things that I really like I didn't mention are <laughs> there's these little plastic things that connect to the top of the the mission control thing that they could flip up and it flips up and it shows it shows like status icons to the astronauts which is so cool so when you have a communication error when you have communication go all the way down you can't communicate anymore so you can flip this little token that says commute comms error and so then when anything else happens there's like an error one and error two and, and stuff like that that you can throw up and it, that little plastic like 
hinge thing just like come on like that it probably was not cheap to add into the game but just for what one mechanic and just adds to it. it's so cool it's so cool flipping it up it looks so neat anyway i know it's dumb so but anyway that and you was become one with the game at that point oh brother i basically go to mission command and uh in houston and work at the controls with the cool headset See, that's what you need is headsets in this game. Yes. And so then you can play in other, the opposite rooms to really immerse yourself. Right. Well, yeah, you want an authentic gameplay experience. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Anyway, uh, so that's Apollo, a game inspired by NASA moon missions. <laughs> just came out in 2020, so this is a newer game, but um, highly recommend it. V- very And unique. Target is having a sale right now. And it is on sale, too, so. on top of it. If you really want to get it. Yeah, Target is running that two-for-one deal. And then if you're a Target Circle person, you can get 25% off one item. Plus, obviously, you can always get 5% off and free shipping. And I think this game is on sale on top of it because I think it's normally $30. I think it was saw it was on sale for like 25 or something. So, And we did get that Back to the Future game through okay, Target as time. well. Yep, yep. So Horrified's in there. I uh, Villainous is in there if you want. I mean, you don't have to. but um, <laughs> There's a lot of other options too. Yeah, there definitely are. Okay, well, cool. That was enough about Apollo. Um, but I, I just love space stuff. I'm kind of a geek for that kind of stuff. I always found that interesting, especially growing up. I mean, I what just kids, love space stuff. <laughs> what kid didn't like astronauts? It's and, true. I don't know. Maybe a, it's true. I think a lot of our my kids sister are, had her entire bedroom as the planets. Oh yeah, NASA, the solar system. I mean, just, what? What kid our age didn't grow up with those glow in the dark stars that we placed plastered all over the oh yeah the I had ceiling those and the walls oh yeah yeah oh yeah those were awesome. My sister was gonna be an astronaut until she had to have glasses. <laughs> <laughs> she was devastated. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, well, let's go ahead and talk about the last game uh, for this episode. So the last game we played was the Towers of Arkanos. Now, we did review this last year. I looked back, and I think it was episode 26 that Chris and I reviewed it. And Emily, you hadn't played it yet, and so you actually pulled it out, and it was still in Shrink, if I remember Mm -hmm. right. Yep. And so we played a two-player version of it. And yeah, so what do you think? Yeah, I liked it. It definitely reminded me of Sagrada. Yeah, so in Towers of Arkanos, if you don't know, is a game where you're drafting and placing dice. And so uh, somebody's the first player, they pull out dice equal to players and stuff like that and roll the dice. So it reminds me a lot of Sagrada, uh, same idea, and you roll the dice. And on the board, they're, well, not the board, on the table, there's the three outer towers and then the center tower. And so on these towers, there's going to be stuff printed on. So the outer ones are going to have restrictions such as, uh, one, five, and three of purple, or so on and so forth, that coordinate up with the colors of the dice and the numbers. And so those are restrictive of what dice you can actually place on those towers. And then the center tower, I think it's called the Wizard's Tower, is 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 anything can be placed there. And so how the game goes is you go around and uh, drafting, you know, f- from clockwise from the first player and you're taking one of the dice that were rolled and placing them on the tower one of the towers if you can or the center one and then resolving the effect so on the outer towers there's three actions when you place the dice they're going to be two points i think place another worker on another one 
on another tower, and then there's points equal to the level or how high this tower is. Because what happens is, once all three spots are filled up, another circular tile comes out and gets placed on top of it. And so it actually starts to build like 3D style up, which is kind of cool. And when you place the dice, you actually place one of your, your wooden meeples. And your workers have like a value of one, and there's a special one that has a value two. And so what happens is when a when a floor gets completed, you it's area control. So whoever has the most majority gets victory points based off of uh, amount of people there. And that's basically the game. And when you place ones on the center uh, tower, you do get a spell equal to the value of the dice you put. And then you have like a little spell book in front of you. And the spells are going to be stuff to manipulate the dice. They're going to be a uh, way to change the color of the dice, the number of the dice, flip one up plus or minus, flip it around to the opposite side, stuff like that. Pretty straightforward. And so then the game just keeps going on and on and on. And you're completing floors as they get completed. And you keep going until all the dice are gone. Depending on the amount of players, it's somewhere around like six or to eight rounds. And then at the end of the game, whoever has the most victory points wins the game. And that's about it. Pretty straightforward, I would say. So we reviewed it last year. I know I didn't rate this terribly high, but what, what do you think about this one? I liked it. It's not my favorite game, but I did enjoy it. It's it's a lot simpler than I thought it was going to be. It was it was easier than I thought it was going to be. Oh, you thought there was going to be a little more like strategy mechanics yeah. to it than just mm-hmm. placing it and then you like, get a benefit. Because the, the three outer towers, besides what specific dice color and number you're supposed to put there, they're all the same. Yeah, yeah. So. The actions are the same, you mean? Yes, the action placement. It's just, I feel like that's a very one note. Yeah, and and, I mean, there's some little strategy a little bit to looking ahead. I think the more players you play, it's a a two to four player game. I think there's an expansion that adds a fifth player. Uh, But I think with three or four more players, there's a little more strategy on uh, because of the area control because there's mm-hmm. still three only three outer towers and those are the ones that give you the most points. But regardless, you're still restrictive to the dice that come out. Right. There's a lot of luck of the draw with that. And that was my problem when I talked about it before because I've played this at all player counts. I think two players was actually the most enjoyable for me. But the problem I have with the game is those three outer towers come out And you're not going to get new ones until you're finished the floor. And the issue is there's some that are very restrictive where it's only this color and only these numbers. And the problem with that is you might not pull dice out equal to that color. Right. Or there might just be one. Exactly. Exactly. So it's whoever happened to roll it on that turn gets Mm -hmm. it. And that was my problem with this game. And... Yeah, it's random and everybody has equal chance then on their turn to do it. But the problem is there's an opportune times to do it. And it's so swingy where, you know, if you complete the, let's say there's one spot open and you complete the tower, that's when you get victory points. And so if you, if, if maybe that tower has been sitting there and you just happen to get that yellow die and it happens to be your turn and you happen to complete it, you could get like seven to nine points, which is a lot for a four player game just because it happened to be your turn and just happened to pull a yellow die out. And it happened to be the number that happened to be on there. That's a lot of happens mm-hmm. opposed to think Sagrada. And this is very close to Sagrada in some yeah. cases. Think Sagrada and Sagrada. It feels because you do a snake draft, i.e. every person 
drafts two dice on every round, that there's way more opportunities and less chances to get stuck. Opposed to this game, you're only pulling out and the, you're not doing a snake draft. Now, in a two-player game, we do draft two dice, and that's why I think two-player count plays mm -hmm. better. But on a three- and four-player game, you only get one dice per round. And so it feels kind of bad <laughs> when you're playing through that. I would be interested to, interested to see if in the expansion it changes up those tiles a little bit on the benefits of the, your dice placement yeah so I, I did look it up it on four and three player counts you only get one die uh per round so that's why i like two player a lot better there's a lot more variety and chances at it so it doesn't feel as restrictive and when it didn't feel as restrictive like that it actually felt as though there was a lot more strategy and we were getting way more points than we i've ever seen in a three or four player uh, game. okay um so i actually like this better at two player which is kind of funny um mm. It's still, I if we're going to play two-player, I'd rather play Sagrada, though. Right. Well, Honestly. yeah, there's other two-player games that I'd rather play. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe the expansion. I think the expansion does add new tiles, some new rooms, and some new mechanics. It also adds five players um, and more dice. And so, it goes up to nine or ten rounds or something like that. So, um, yeah, it maybe adds enough extra to this. But how it is just in the base game... It's not my favorite game. It's it's okay. I, I think my opinion still has not changed. I think um, back when we we're actually giving number reviews, I think I give it a six and a half uh, out of ten, which is okay. Um, mm -hmm. It's not a bad game. I mean, I'll, if somebody wants to play it and be like, "Ooh, this looks interesting," I'm like, "Okay, I'll try it." But this is not a game I'm going to pull out all the time. Or no. friends come over and be like, "Hey, let's try this game." I'll only do it if somebody really wants to play it. This might even be a candidate like sell. A game wow. or give it away because it's like okay. Can I get that in writing? <laughs> well, uh, it's it's on this. Um, I'd rather play Sagrada. I'm I'd rather play a game like that than this. Uh, yeah, nine times out of ten. Yeah. So, um, I I like the theme. I like what they tried to do with it. I like it is different than all these kind of dice placement games, but unfortunately, a little too random for me. It's a simple way to learn area control. True, you're right. You're right. There is some strategy. I think there's a little more strategy than Sagrada per se. And it's not Sagrada is more solitary. You're playing your right. own board. This yeah. one is shared, which right. I kind of like this for area. Con I'm not a big area control fan because right. what happens is people pick on other people's like especially three player counts are terrible for area control games. But that's what it feels like is people gang up on other people in area control. And inevitably, if you play more than two players on an area control game, somebody gets screwed over. And that I don't like that. And it's, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, but for an area control game, this was actually a little better than most for me personally. But you're right. It's a good introduction to that kind of area control idea and strategy, plus some dice placement, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Plus, the theme kind of feels like Harry Potter. It really does. So, yeah. listening to Harry Potter music while playing is also delightful. See a theme here. <laughs> well, I like to pair games with certain music. So, basically, you'll only play a game that has a good pairing of music? Well, it's like a fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, overall, you, you like it, don't like it? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I would rate it between a six and seven. If you were to have to. If I was to have to choose a number, yeah. six point 
four, five. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, repeating, of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I liked it. I'd play it again, but it's it's not one that I would rank highly or have in my top games. Yeah. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. It doesn't, like, stick out in your mind. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, we did say this was going to be a fast episode, but this ended up being 30 minute plus. It's a uh, normal episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry if my voice was distracting. I'm I'm starting to feel a little better today. Thankfully, I got a nap in and, you know, it's just a cold. It's not COVID or anything, but uh, it is what it is. Just surviving, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> not to be dramatic about it. Um, hey, before we close out, we did talk about it, but right now, this week from Sunday, which was yesterday through this week into Saturday, Target is running a two-for-one sale, and I think Amazon's doing the same deal. Uh, thing with Target, though, is some of the games are on sale, and then you can use your Circle 25% off one item, plus 5% off, if, again, if you're a Red Card member and free shipping. Um, it is the last few weeks we've talked about quite a few good family games that are actually Target exclusives or at Target, and uh, just want to throw that out there as a good opportunity, just a good deal. Yeah, if you could start some want. of your Christmas shopping, exactly, exactly. or finish, <laughs> or finish. Some people sweet. are done already. <laughs> what? You're done? No, I'm okay. not done. I'm I just thought she saying, was applying this. I've heard done. from a lot of people that they did all their shopping early and they're almost done. Got it. Got it. Because okay. they're afraid everything's going to be out because of COVID. Oh, it could be. It could be. We'll see. But I haven't started yet. <laughs> okay. I was like, what? Um, I wish. Say, when did we put that in the budget? <laughs> I don't remember that. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Um, we did talk about it last week, but episode 80 next week is going to be our holiday type special where we're going to have our list and stuff. TBD, who's actually going to be on it for sure, Chris and I. Um, haven't talked to Emily about it. Yeah, this is the first I'm hearing about well, it. Well, you obviously didn't listen to last week's episode then. Shh. <laughs> wah, wah. Guess she uh, just got called out. Oh, man. It's not like it's been a busy week at all. No, not at all. I haven't been working crazy. <laughs> it's the time of year. Yeah, the holidays are here, people. The holidays are here. Make sure your hair looks good <laughs> for those family <laughs> events that are not happening. And tip big. <laughs> Yes. COVID has not been kind to our industry. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll have our holiday special next week where we're going to do our top list. Just like last year, we kind of talk about our favorite kids games, family games, uh, strategy games, games for gamers, uh, party games, that kind of stuff as kind of a holiday gift buying guide. So if you're looking for something new for your loved one, yourself, a significant other, kids, Family members. I think I said something twice. This was super popular last year and uh, was was highly listened to. So looking forward to do it. It was a lot of fun doing that last year. So look forward to that. Hopefully I'll be um, cleared up all this congestion so I can actually sound. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, well, that'll about do it for this week. Anything else you want to talk about, Emily, before we take off? I don't think so. All right. Well, we appreciate you listening as always. This is was episode 79 of the games we play. We look forward to you tuning in next week when we have our holiday buying special. But until then, from the games we play, I am Brian. And I'm Emily. And keep on gaming. Join the conversation and feel free to give us your feedback. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at GamesWePlayPod. And at GamesWePlayPod at gmail.com.